this can be possibly the start of something new, something very cool, or the first and last ever episode of this new cool project. But we'll have fun with it for sure and see what comes out of it. Welcome. Welcome to everyone. This is the first episode of The Midfield Battle. I'm your host, Roberto. And here with me, I have a few friends that I've met, I've been lucky to have met along the way, all common to football. And I think a lot of people can relate to this wherever you are in life, from childhood and other parts of your life, you've met a lot of people here and there. And football has always been, I would say, a conversation starter. And I think that's pretty cool uh, to have that, the stories you share, the points of views. And this is just an idea of how you can bring it all together. So guys, great to have you here. And to introduce, I don't care about your majors or, or anything like that. All I want to know is your name, where you come from, or where you're currently at, where you're calling from, and uh, who's your favorite player, what's your favorite club, and your jersey number. I think that gives a good intro for each and one of you. So, Brett, you're the first one on my screen. Take it away. I, I think Issa should go first because he was the first one in here, but what, how do you feel about that, Issa? Okay, let's go for it. Okay, my name's Issa. I'm calling from Jordan. Um, my favorite player is Aiden Hazard. And my favorite number is 54, and I support Chelsea FC. BK, are you passing again, or, or are you actually going to No, no, shot? I'll go. I'm, I'm primed up. My name is Brett. I was a philosophy major. <laughs> no, I, uh, I'm from Wisconsin, Transport, Chicago. I'm calling from Paris right now. My favorite club is the Mighty Reds of Liverpool. My favorite player I think is Virgil van Dyke because he represents my uh, country, my nation of choice as well. And then my favorite number, I think, is 17 because I wore it for uh, high school sports. Nice. Dries, you're up. Yo, what's up? Uh, so my name is Dries and I, I'm in Paris right now. Favorite club, uh, FC Barcelona. And my favorite player, well, at first it was Ronaldinho for a long time. But Messi has just given me so much joy in my life. I mean, he's the one I watched the most and he made the club win and I was happy. So Messi and my favorite number is the number 10, of course, because the best players wore this number. Taharemi concludes. <laughs> All right, everyone. My name is Taha. I am calling from Chicago, United States. Favorite club, I'm currently clubless. I'm about as big of a fair weather fan as you can get. So, You're a free agent. I hear Barcelona is recruiting. Yeah, I'm not interested. I appreciate <laughs> it. No, not the Europa <laughs> um, League merchants. No, not that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not interested. I'd rather support Toronto FC, of course, for, um, for our boy Bernard Deschi. <laughs> Favorite player, um, I got a couple. Number one, I, I also am a fair weather player supporter so of course my number one right now is Alexi Macaliter from Argentina and, and Azadine Onahi there's a big transfer coming so just keep an eye out for that favorite number number seven because of Rodrigo DePaul oh my god wait what's the reasoning behind that I'm actually very curious like what behind what number like seven? why Rodrigo DePaul did you have a poster of Rodrigo DePaul in your bedroom like when you were a kid yeah, from his time at Udinese, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, no, it's in my bathroom. Oh, it's in your bathroom. Your, uh, your shower curtain had the hole. <laughs> yeah. Or did they yeah. say line up on it? 
crazy one. <laughs> did he play for Udinese or no? Is that wrong? No, he did. He did. Yeah, he, he was like Valencia. Yeah, yeah. Antonio, <laughs> Antonio Bassano. What? <laughs> Sorry, I thought this was a football podcast. <laughs> it used to be, but we we go beyond. This past weekend, we've hit a major milestone, and that's why I wanted to wait a few days to see how the emotions were flowing. Still, how did you feel about this weekend? I think if there's one thought that was recurring in the chat was was this at least for our time the best game ever or at least the best world cup final ever it was exciting in my opinion like so back and forth i was supporting the french for that game and like i was surrounded by a lot of argentinian fans and uh it felt, i felt very isolated when i was supporting the french for that game and then i all of a sudden mbappe just scores two goals out of nowhere Crazy. This, the, the volley he scored for the second goal for France. Crazy, crazy goal. As a Messi fan, it was stressful as fuck. Because, I mean, yeah, it was a great game, right? I mean, objectively, it's the best game I've seen in a long time. I mean, in terms of scenario, it was excellent. But you've seen Messi get to this level. I mean, he picked the whole... He, he, he carried them all the way. And still, still, they managed to bottle a 2-0 lead with, like, stupid mistakes from the Argentinian players that you would swear they're playing against themselves. What, did, what do you think about that? I feel like there's this, like, narrative about Messi carrying Argentina in a way that uh, is, like, profound and he single-handedly won the World Cup. But Argentina is a good, like, a great side. Um and I feel like what was evident watching the French Argentina France Argentina final was that the person carrying their team was, in my opinion, Mbappe. Even though I'm not a a, a French fan per se, I think uh, I think it was yeah. sort of Mbappe's final, even though he didn't win it necessarily. Can I give you a hot take regarding that? Yeah, tell me. Your guys were saying like it's the greatest game we've ever watched. Okay, the Argentinians were completely dominant in the first half. And yeah, yeah, the, I agree. And the French didn't show up until the 80th minute where they got the penalty. But it's Mbappe, not even the French. It's like literally Mbappe, that, like a bit of Kingsley Coman. Yeah, yeah uh, that's sub, the subs that the Champs did. Up till the 80th minute, I didn't feel like France really had any threats on goal for Argentina. And then like all of a sudden, they just flipped the switch for the, like, the last 10 minutes and like the first five minutes of extra time before Messi scored. Taha, I think this is your time to step in and clarify again why you have those two idols and clarify why Argentina deserves Why you've been an Argentina fan since you were a child, Taha? I've been, yeah, I've been a big supporter. But I honestly, I, I actually, I would go against Brett on what he said. I actually think as a, as a unit, Argentina was excellent. I won't deny that as a team. But I think individual skill level wise, I think it was one of the least talented teams that has ever won a World Cup. That being said, I, I agree that they were an excellent side together. So I think when you have a centerpiece like Messi and then a bunch of like people like McAllister, uh, Julian Alvarez, a bunch of players who are on the come up, who are young and, and energetic and ready to win, and you have a leader like that, then I think it's really difficult to beat that. And I agree that I feel like France was super dependent on Mbappe, who's excellent. I uh, He dug them out of the hole himself, but... You need other players to step up, I think, as well. And they just didn't get that. Like like Kolo Mouani, I think he's good too, but he should have won the game for France before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next mm-hmm. I forgot when it was, but 
chances like that need to be finished. So I, I don't know. I think I think Argentina kind of escaped actually, but they were dominant for 80 minutes and then it got interesting. I could see it. Having the luxury of having one of our guests being a a truly proud Moroccan, I think <laughs> we'll definitely have to speak about the great dark horse of this tournament. But speaking of the tournament, I mean, speaking of Morocco, how they were also carried by the amount of fans of thousands that they had over there. Same with Argentina. Yeah, that was impressive. And we had uh, uh, an important reporter who was there at the World Cup uh, disguised as an Argentinian. So, Taha, how was your experience there living it? Yeah, man, it was unreal. So I went to the quarterfinal between France and England, um, which was awesome atmosphere. Um, obviously, two European heavyweights battling, so it was a lot of history between the two sides. Um, that being said, I... I'm not a big England fan. I think they have a lot of talented players, but I don't know. It's just, I, I, I'm not huge on them and I'm not a big Harry Kane supporter either. Anyway, um, that was a great game. It was, it was, it was just the stadiums were beautiful. Logistics of the whole world cup were excellent. I had no qualms whatsoever. I thought it was amazing. And then we also got to go to the Argentina, Croatia semifinal. And that atmosphere was electric because I just think South American fans bring a lot more energy and intensity um, to matches. You can even hear it on TV, like the sound. It's just so much louder. I mean, it was unbelievably loud. We saw it at the I week, have a question, uh, though. Yeah, yeah. Are like the reports they said that like Argentinian fans had like 90% of the stadium through? I mean, the like- stadium looked blue and white, like for sure. There were like little pockets of Croatian fans, like where you could see the checkers, but majority and even, you know, the neutrals were supporting Messi. So even the neutrals were in Argentina color. So it looked like the whole stadium was pretty much Argentina. So it felt like an Argentina home game to them. For sure. 100%. Do you think do you think that gave them an advantage? I think over, so. Like, I really think it did. I mean, you could hear their chants and just the crowd noise from just about everywhere in the stadium. And and this was this was in Lucille. This was in the main stadium. So it's a it's a big stadium. Um, but it was just unbelievably loud. It was electric, energetic. It was awesome. And I think for sure that carried them through. That's why, you know, when Croatia beat Brazil on PKs, we were all kind of upset because we wanted to see the Brazil-Argentina matchup um in the semis, which would have been peak, peak football, but that would have been incredible. Yeah. Neymar versus Messi. Exactly. One last time. So but I I, I have no qualms at all about the world cup i think they did an excellent job i think this world cup's special because it happened in one city you know so the entire fan experience we were all together at all times um you know like fan zones were crazy stadiums were close by so it just felt like everyone who came to watch the world cup was right next to each other the whole time and and when you go to a place like russia or brazil or this next one in north america where the stadiums and cities are so spread out I think that takes away from the fan experience because, you know, like, there's a match in in Kansas City. So, what are you going to do after the match is over? You know, you're not next to a big city. You're eight hours away from Chicago, which is the next biggest city. So, I just think Doha did an excellent job um, by making everything close by, together, organized. I, th- I thought it was a blast. Should have given one of the city of the World Cup to to Chicago or Kansas City, right? That would have right, changed the whole experience. Thing. And you raise a good point. Yeah. I mean, how? After this experience of this World Cup, how is the 26 going to look? It's going to be so different yeah. just from the point of logistics, and three countries, and uh, who knows how many participating countries that it's going to feel so way larger, way bigger that it might take away from the 
the heart of it in a certain way. We also got to see, I mean, so many countries performing above their expectations, I would say, during this World Cup. You mentioned the, the likes of Morocco pulling off their miracles after miracles, as well as Japan even. They managed to be two heavyweights from Europe, even though some could say... I think Croatia as well. What do you mean? I think Croatia as well was a, it was a dark horse. Like I think most people read them off because... You look at that team; it's very old. It's not yeah, young, besides Gravio. Definitely, definitely. Like they, they proved it. They proved it that they can still work together. Like even with new faces, they played really well. The way they beat the Brazilians was beautiful, in my opinion. They defended really well, and they they were about to pull off another miracle, making another final almost. So that is insane for them. But I think even literally Japan with what they did against Spain and and uh, and Germany. Uh, Korea and how they, they managed to get to the round of 16 and Australia who almost challenged Argentina in their round of 16 at the end of the game. So That was very close to the end of the game. Which is crazy to think of like, looking where Argentina ended up and what the expectations yeah, were of that, for, for Australia at the start. Like when the World Cup began and Saudi Arabia just beat Argentina. As well. All of these fairy tale stories and Morocco leading great example how would it be if maybe they were given more of a chance, if there were more countries? This was a big debate in, in our chat with us and all of the other guys during the World Cup, understanding if it really is the world's game or how much in the past, especially, we could think it was just a tournament of Europe plus Brazil, Argentina, and maybe Uruguay. Uh, how much can this evolve in the future, especially with, who knows, a larger World Cup? What do you think, Dries, given your passionate experience now yeah <laughs> well i i i do think that more rep- representation is a necessity uh for for the world cup but i don't want to fall into the trap of having too many countries though what i think is uh it's not the number that's the problem you know 32 is is a good number what i think we should do is just try to even the score you know like take uh, less european teams and give those spots to the other continents It'd always be more Euro- european teams just not as many because this year we saw that you know there there are some european teams that are frankly mediocre they lost to african teams they lost to asian teams I have a good uh, addition to this conversation. So yeah. the general consensus uh, was when we spoke about this in the group chat that uh, while some people felt that they should add more, some people felt that that the representation was enough, that the team, the African nations, the Asian nations, the um, non-European nations. Fucking Serbia. Okay. We're not uh, performing at a level that, <laughs> that uh, sort of allowed for more teams to, to be in the tournament. But I think Morocco's success in the tournament has proven that I think tactically football is moving in a direction where possession is not necessary uh, to win a football match and to win high stress, high competition when everything is on the line football matches like what Morocco did throughout the entire World Cup. Um, So and, and my original opinion was that was that no, these nations have not been performing well enough historically to, to necessitate uh, adding more spots to, to African nations or Asian nations. But I think that's not as true as it, as it used to be. And I think that what happened with Morocco will happen 
more and more. Um, so personally, I would like to see. Um, Hopefully, I think I think football. The direction of of football is moving in a direction where it is more likely to happen than it was in the past. And I think uh, all these nations are also improving at a rate that that sort of exceeds um, the powerhouses, like the the Serbia, for example. I know they're not historically great, but but um, they're European nations. So. It's a different structure now where, where these nations can succeed in ways they had not been able to in the past. For me, I agree with like adding 12 more teams. I think it's a great idea because like you look at nations that never made it to the World Cup. Like Jordan? They, they like Yeah. Yeah, like my team I, I am I'm speaking like out of my heart right of course. now. I would love to see I would love to see Jordan make the World Cup at one point in my life. They've never done it before. And like adding Let's not just talk about Jordan in general. I'm talking about like any other Kuwait? country that has not made the World Cup before. Or Kuwait, yeah. No, Kuwait made it. No, Kuwait made yeah, it once. Yeah, remember. Um, uh, yeah, and um, I just think adding more teams to the tournament gives the opportunity for teams like who's never made it to the World Cup to show who they really are. And they might give you a dark horse run. You never know. Like every year you have that one team that does so well that no one expected. And speaking of Morocco, I'm I'm looking at the squad right now, the Moroccan squad. Every single one of them is being scouted by big teams mm-hmm. right now. Amrabat, Amrabat is being scouted by the biggest of the biggest. I, I saw some links with Barcelona, if that's true. So not not all the biggest. Really good, no? <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, not going to happen. But or yeah, like it's it's impressive. Yeah, why, like you said, Bono. Yeah, Bono. And what's his name? What's his name? That midfielder. Unahi. 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 I have to think as well. I think that there is a big, <laughs> there is a big list. I want to name players from these African nations. I, you know who I actually I, was really, really impressed with, who I wasn't fully sold on before the tournament, was Musiala. I, I, I thought I knew he was good. I knew, I knew oh, he was yeah, really, he was really talented, but oh, I never really got the chance to watch a lot of Bayern's game. I'm not, I, I'm not into Bayern or the Bundesliga, so I'd never really watch him unless it was the Champions League. But although they, you know didn't make it out of the group. I think he was like, he was how important Mbappe is to France. Like the catalyst player, it was all Musiala. Every single match, it was all him. So it was really, really fun to watch. I thought he was excellent. And I think he has a huge future ahead. Too many, obviously, I think he's going to be one of the greats. I thought he was, I thought he was better than Pogba was in 2018. Like I thought he played the role better and he had, wow. he had Rabia. I mean, Sure, Rabio's fine, but Rabio's not like Conte playing next to you, you know. So I think too many picked up a lot, and Rabio played well. Don't get me wrong, but I think too many picked up a lot of the slack, you know, in the holding position, um, playing the box to box. I thought he was yeah. excellent. I was I was sad Kamavinga didn't get a lot of time, but too many was fun to watch. I think he's good. I think he's great. I was going to say either Kudus or uh, Gakpo had an amazing tournament. I'm just thinking of forwards. Breland Bolo is another name that I think like is familiar for people who are interested in football, but was never uh, was never shown on on a stage like this. Who who I think really overperformed expectations. But I thought I thought Kudus was good. He bagged two goals, right? Um, 
and yeah, uh, and yeah, yeah, and I think I think he had a good tournament. Um, I think he was far and away their best player. Um, I think of uh, Sar as well. I think he's still at Watford, correct? Um, yeah, yeah, he's still there. He and and one of their one of their defenders for Senegal. I thought I think Senegal would have been Cisse. Was it Cisse or Kulabani? No, I, I think I have an idea of who Brett's thinking. Tell me, of, that's a tell me. Left yeah, back, uh, number yeah, 14. one of their outside backs, Ismail uh, Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Let me yeah, let me look. Definitely yeah. their left back. I really, I really hope that next World Cup, uh, more and if we get more uh, teams in the tournament or not, I, I hope more sub-Saharan nations qualify for the World Cup. I love to watch Senegal play, especially with healthy Mane. Healthy Mane. I love to watch Nigeria play. Um, Ivory Coast, good yeah, old days of Drogba. Yeah, yeah, no, but historically, I think those those nations have have done well in in larger tournaments. So. Now that we're looking mm-hmm. ahead for the next World Cup, twenty twenty six, the U.S. men's national team has been working for like six, seven years now on this project, and like being prepared to host this World Cup and go far. Do you think the U.S. is able with the team they have? I think the U.S. has a great team, but do you think with the current coach? They would do well as a host country and go far. Cause I'll like, let the Americans on this. Because like I think they're they have a great group of guys, honestly. They're all talented. They all play in the big European leagues. Why shouldn't the US make it far? I think I think we're gonna be ready. Twenty twenty six. I mean, I think Tyler Ad I you know, when I first yeah. watched USA's opener and I saw Tyler Adams with the armband, I was actually really confused. I, I was not expecting him to be chosen, but I think he did a great job as a captain. I don't love our coach. Like, I think we actually had a shot. I think we had a shot against yes, Netherlands. Problem. I think we could have won that game. But, I mean, it was just, it showed the lack of discipline we had defensively and in the midfield. I, I don't know. I, I think we need four more years and maybe some other, like, box to box will show up who can play next to Tyler Adams and Weston. But, yeah. I have to ask a question, though. You, okay, Brett and Taha, what do you guys think about Gio not being picked at all in this uh, like World Cup? I think Gio Reyna is great, and he's he's good enough to be starting for the U.S. I think absolutely. Why was he never he, playing? He should have started, but I don't know. There, like, were, there was some dispute there after. Reason? Yeah, I mean, I don't think like football wise, there there was a reason. Yeah, it seemed like it was a locker room um, issue, at least. Right? I mean, he wasn't really that impressive, to be honest. And neither was, and unfortunately, neither was Pulisic, unfortunately. Oh, you think so? I thought he was. I think he could have had a bigger contribution, personally. I mean, he's been touted for the last, like, six years. He's been, like, you know, the, the messiah for US, the U.S. Soccer Federation. But I just really wish he would have showed up a little bit more. I don't know. I think I think as far as player United States players go, I think he had the best tournament of any player. I don't I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Tyler Adams. I mean, three goal contributions though for Pulisic. I don't. I think I think he played quite well. Um, but I think they both contributed. They're different ways. You're not gonna have Tyler Adams scoring bangers or anything, but he's gonna be a dog literally the whole midfield. He was my favorite player for the U.S. And Pulisic, as much as he can carry and he can create a lot, I felt like he was a little lonely. I mean, who can he provide to? He gave a great assist to Tim Weah in the first game, and that's awesome. But I think the U.S., and this was why we were just talking about building blocks and experience. This can be a great building block for their 2026. Also, understanding where where are certain needs still. For instance, uh, concrete, clear uh, number nine up front, some better defenders on 
in the back line that can help because otherwise their midfield is very solid. And that's why the name of the podcast, I mean, they've been in the game for a lot of games in this tournament. They've held ground against England as well for a young group that they were and all of their first experience for sure. I think this was a great experience and who knows what they could do in, in as a host country in four years from now. Four years seems little, but it's also a lot of time. Who knows how much talent can come up in these next four years. And It's actually a huge amount of time because when you look at the World Cup squads, they're never the they same. They're the same. There's a few great players that manage to stay and develop. Honestly, there's just this French side that was familiar. And still. Right? Yeah, still, I no. I think they were missing so many. Mathieu Dicharo. I was just going to say, I was going back to the four-year thing. I think that's huge because I remember like the year after, not even the year after, like when France won in 2018, one of the huge names was Tahith Chong. Like he was on the come up. You remember him on United? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was obsessed with him. I was like, this guy's going to be sick. And like, yeah, like where is he now? You know, it's been four years. He's, at, he's at the hair salon. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of these next big things though. Yeah, I think Nick, like, for example, I was just going to say, for example, like Phil Foden, um, I think if we look back at 2018, um, had the expectation of, or maybe 2019, I, I don't really know, but had the expectation of being like a superstar. And I think this is my opinion. I, I think Phil Foden was uh, passed the eye test insofar as he looked like the best player for England when he was on the field. It sounds ridiculous to say, but I think he was in the same conversation as Tahith Chong at one point. Um, so it's just kind of a matter of... the fuck is Tahith Chong? I have literally never heard of that man, and I have watched the 2018 I don't, World I don't, Cup. He wasn't in the Who World is Cup. He, he, was he like, wasn't in the World Cup. Then, yeah, the Netherlands weren't. But yeah, guys, this was this was good. This was a great first time, and hopefully to the next one.